Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Baggies broadcast sponsored by Adoption at Heart. My name is Luke Hatfield and I am joined by a man whose new favourite food, pretty sure it's cauliflower cheese, Mr Joe Massey. It wasn't cauliflower cheese, it was a cauliflower steak actually. Cauliflower steak? It was a cauliflower steak and you are obsessed with my food choices at the Hawthorns, it is ridiculous. Because it's just so perplexing. It's not perplexing mate. It's a mystery which ever deepens. I just, uh, I feel like when we go for food, you're running out of banter for the banter section. What? Yeah, I feel like this is your go-to. I feel like this means you've not put any preparation in for this podcast. Man, you you ate a cauliflower steak at the Hawthorns over lamb cobbler. I'm just not big on lamb, and I don't like mint sauce. Mint sauce is probably the best condiment you could ever have. I disagree completely. It's up there with Frank's Red Hot Sauce, gravy, and brown sauce. None of those, mate. I don't even like any of those. You don't like any of them? No. Well, I, don't, oh. I haven't had the first one. I don't know what the first one was. It's like a buffalo sauce. Come on. Uh, no, I've not had it. I don't like gravy. And what was the other one? Brown sauce, man. Oh, no, I don't like tomato sauce. Oh, my God. There's only two condiments in my world, and that's tomato sauce and mustard. I thought you were going to say salt. <laughs> Is salt a condiment? I guess, I, mean, I guess so. It's like salt and vinegar are condiments, aren't they? By the way, vinegar, also prime prime condiment. After this absolutely thrilling start to the West Bromwich Albion Baggies broadcast podcast. What are we doing I can't next? believe that. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I, I, I think the listeners will enjoy it. One minute of one minute of talking about your, your choice of food at the Hawthorns. Really Bit of banter. Get, you know, settle into the podcast. Have you got anything else on your banter list? Well, I don't think I should go on anymore. Oh, right, that means no. <laughs> <laughs> this banter is as good as the game. Let's be honest, it is as good as the game. Wow. I'll have you know Albion won that game, sir. West Brom won, Blues nil. Derby day, delight. Admittedly, wasn't a thriller. Joe, I've got five talking points. Should I go through these talking points? Oh, he has done some preparation. Five talking points. This is unbelievable. I feel personally attacked. You should never feel personally attacked. Oh, well, I tell you what, your missus is going to listen to this and say, Joe, yeah, she will, stop yeah. bullying Luke. <laughs> <laughs> and every listener who's going to Swansea, driving the long, long old journey, who may well listen to this on the drive, will agree, I think. Might be wrong. I think, they, I think they'll all agree that you need reining in, to be honest. <laughs> wow. So you doesn't need reining in, Colin Grant. Is that talking point number one? That is talking point number one. Carla Grant, banging form, isn't he? Literally, banging form. Like, it's. He's. I've never seen a player who can just switch it on like that, and he's he's done it a few times this season now. Um, it's like it's it's just yeah, it's not. It's it's really good to see, and and I, and from on a personal level, which isn't obviously doesn't really matter, but it's been nice to talk to him the last couple of after these after the QPR game and after. The Blues game as well, just to get to like get to know him a little bit because he's he hasn't done a lot of media after. Oh, look, he had a tough year last year, didn't he? Mm. Um, there's no doubt about it. And I think it was interesting that after the game after Blues, he did talk about that. He, he initially spoke about it in his program. He did the interview in the program before the game, and he did say he lost confidence. He lost belief in himself last mm. season. Um, obviously, came in big money move really in terms of. The fees Albion paid last summer, £15 million. There's a lot of hype over Carl and Grant's arrival, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I can safely say I've never written more stories about a player who hasn't yet signed um, before his arrival. I mean, absolutely everybody knew Albion wanted Carlin Grant. Everybody knew they were sort of talking to Huddersfield for weeks and weeks and weeks um, to find a way to get the deal done. In the end, they did it over this sort of higher purchase thing, two and a half million pounds a year. Um, but there was a lot of noise around Carlin Grant way before he even joined Albion. He obviously joined, having scored goals for a poor Huddersfield side in, in the Championship. And he got off to a flyer. In his second game, he scored a goal at Brighton, um, mm. a game that Albion really should have won. Um, they, they created bundles of chances in that game. If, it, if, they played, if that game had gone on 10 minutes longer, they would have won that game at the Amex under Slavon Bilic. But after that, it just sort of deteriorated. It, things went awry for him. It has to be said, he didn't score again. Basically found himself out of the team when Sam Allardyce became manager and he has spoken about openly and honestly that he did lose his confidence he did lose his self-belief and his, his, his first job this summer this pre-season was to restore that confidence and to restore that belief he, he has said it himself it, it helps that it's in the championship a, a league that he knows really well and a league that obviously he's had huge success in before um, but he mentioned that the goal against Luton um that's his first goal of the season. That that was a massive weight off his shoulders, especially with it coming at the Hawthorns. Obviously, the goal at Brighton was at Brighton. He, he'd never scored mm. at the Hawthorns, um, in an Albion shirt at least. And massive weight off his mind. And now it's just, we can see the Carlin Grant that did score 17 goals for that Huddersfield team. He is Confidence is a magical thing, isn't it? Like we say it all the time, but a player with confidence is, is so different to a player without. And now... If Carlin Grant picks the ball up 20 yards out on that mm. left-hand side, you abs- you know what's coming. You know he's going to get his shot away and you know it's got a, well, as good as anyone's chance of it hitting the back of the net because he is, he is lethal um, from that area. I think a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, there would be a hesitancy to his play. I think maybe he'd look for a pass, maybe he'd dally, maybe he'd think about it too much. Whereas now he is brimming with confidence and he's finding, he's finding the back of the net. Superb goal against Blues, absolutely superb. I would argue the only true moment of quality in the game. Mm. Um, superb goal at Cardiff, um, which set the tone then for Albion to go on and win four 0 Arguably the best um, performance of the season. And look, the last home game was QPR before Blues. The last home game was QPR two one. All because of Carlin Grant. Look, the first yeah. goal was fortunate. It was the keeper basically threw it in. Um, the second goal, he showed his confidence again. Brilliant finish. So he scored the last three goals at home. They've basically all been winners, if you like. Um, yeah. Obviously, one pulled them level against Huddersfield, but there's absolutely no doubt about it. Without Carlin Grant, Albion wouldn't have beaten QPR and they probably wouldn't have beaten Blues either. Well, that's the question I asked in the press box, wasn't it? It's like, where would they be without Carlin Grant? Like, where would Albion be? They would, yeah, where would they be? And they, and the truth is, they'd be a lot more, they'd be less consistent, wouldn't they? They'd be, look, Fulham, Fulham have lost three games this season, I think. Albion have lost one. Bournemouth doing a brilliant job so far, having not lost in 12 games. And, I mean, you certainly would have thought that, it, that there's a good chance they could have lost that QPR game. Mm. Um because uh, the game, the game did change after Carlin Grant's first goal, but Carlin Grant's first goal, ninety nine times out of hundred, the keeper keeps it out, doesn't he? So, yeah. 
Um, and then, yeah, Blues, it, it really was the one moment of class in the game. It really, really was. And it was it was genuine class. Um, it, I mean, it's got... It's probably a goal of the month contender, I'd say. Yeah, I think teams need to kind of switch on to that because, I mean, they would have been aware about what Carl and Grant can do, you know, from their own scouting. But at the moment, when he gets that ball, you know, left side of that penalty area, takes one touch onto his right foot. And a couple of teams have let him do it where they've let... They've, I mean, it's almost opened up for him and he's been given a free, a free shot of goal and he finds the corners. Yeah, I think... He is a very, very good player. So I think some in the championship. So I think sometimes you just have to pat him on the back and say, Do you know what, Carlin Grant is a top, top, top championship performer. He's going to score goals in this level. We, none, none of this is a surprise. Is it? As, as disappointing as last season was for Carlin Grant, everyone listening to this mm. expected him to sort of go, kick on this season. Okay, he did have that dip in confidence. He did have to really find his self-belief. But we all thought... This season, Carlin Grant would be a massive player for Albion. Mm. That said, his goal, his goal against Blues was genuine quality. It was on his part, just for just in terms of Carlin Grant, it was brilliant. He was he did exceptionally well. But on the blue side of things, when they're doing their analysis, like you said, you are going to know that Carlin Grant is banging form and that he's absolutely lethal just on, on that left-hand side, just outside the box from 20 yards. Mm. Sometimes you can't stop him getting a shot away because he's that good a player, but this was from a throw-in. Yeah. And they've allowed him to come inside. I mean, if you were Lee Bowyer for that, that is surely something, surely something Blues were working on in the build-up to the game. If Albion if, win a throw-in yeah. in that area, do not let Carlin Grant shift the ball onto his left foot and get a shot away because he's lethal. Um but immense credit to Carlin because it really was fabulous. But you can understand why Lee Barrier would be really annoyed with that goal. Yeah, I mean, especially after the job that that that, that Blues did, and it kind of brings us on to our our next point. Is it is it all about results for Ishmael? Because I'm gonna be honest, Joe, for the best part of that ninety minutes, I mean, and the first half in particular. It wasn't a great watch in terms of Albion, and you've got to give credit to to other teams because they they um, they obviously worked to try and frustrate Albion, and and a couple of teams have managed that. But in the same respect, I mean, it's not been a brilliant watch in terms of the football Albion have been playing, and there's some teams who, who you know the likes of of Preston, uh, Millwall, Blues as well, where you'd expect them to really play through and and maybe produce a little bit more entertainment along with the results but I can understand completely why Ishmael is happy enough with the results because at the end of the day he's a results judge business so yeah it's interesting because <laughs> it, it was a tough watch there's no doubt about it and it's not the first time this season Albion have been a tough watch and I think that, I think the big, the, big, the big thing for me was during the game was how flat the atmosphere was mm. um, Ishmael actually said in the pre-match press conference that Albion fans have been great this season. There's, there's been some fantastic atmospheres at the Hawthorns, but the crowd have got to have something to feed off. You've got you've got to give them a reason not to get off your seat because it's it's, it's a two way it's a two way thing, isn't it? The, the, the fans have got to get behind the team and lift them, and the team have got to get behind give the fans something to to cheer for and root for and to get them off their seats as well. So it is it's it's, it's always a two way thing. Um, 
but it was a tough watch. Um, it surprised me how flat the Hawthorns was for a derby. I mean, it's basically the only derby of the season. I know it's not Villa. I know it's not Wolves. Mm. Um, but it is the derby for this season. Um, so it was, it did surprise me. There's some interesting stats going around in terms of just Albion's play this season and Blue's play this season. And it makes you realise that that was always... Look, in hindsight, that game was always going to go that way. Mm. So I mentioned this on the podcast last time, but if you count the amount of times a team has passed the ball 10 times a season, yeah? So whenever they register 10 passes in a row, that's one, yeah? Yeah. Well, Albion have passed the ball 10 times or more. It's called a pass sequence on 14 occasions. That's the lowest in the league by a long, long way. Mm. The second lowest is Blues now on 25. So they've done it 11 more times than Albion. But they are still the second lowest um, team in the division for 10 passes or more. Yeah. The next thing is pass per sequence. So basically, on average, how many times do you pass the ball? Albion's is 1.97. Less than two passes per sequence. Less than two passes per sequence on average. Okay, again, the lowest in the division. Second lowest, Blues, 2.05. Marginally better, but very, 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 very little. Mm. Um, So Ishmael doesn't like the word direct. He calls his style of play vertical football. But I would say that Albion and Blues, as after 12 games this season have been the two most direct teams in the division. Mm. I personally think that's a bit of a surprise. Um, like when you think of the teams that Albion have played, Millwall, the Preston game was very, very scrappy. Um, Cardiff, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, like, but when you look at those teams, I mean, it's interesting. Cardiff, pass it, 10, 10 plus pass sequences this season, 37. Preston, 40. Millwall, 41. When you think Albion are on 14, yeah. um, it's quite a jump. So I could, it's, there's, there's no doubt about it that there is, a, there is a split in the fan base. There is a, we've said this before on the podcast. There are people who are very much results are the only thing that matters. Yeah. And that's without doubt the, the, the sort of the camp that obviously Ishmael falls into. He's, he is very much focused on winning promotion and getting Albion back to the Premier League. Um, there are those who want to be entertained more. Um, um, bear with me, my phone's ringing. Uh, <laughs> I just... Um, so there are those who want to be entertained more. And that, and, and that is, without doubt, they're right. I've said this before, fans pay an awful lot of money to go and watch these games. Um, Especially if you go in with like family members, it, like if if you're a dad, you've got two kids, you go into that game, it's costing you a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you've got every right to want. To, if that's what if that's how you want to, if, if that's what you want from your football, you've got every right to want to be entertained. So the question, but for me, and this is just, I think I think for this season, I've got to be honest. I think it's a means to an end. Yeah. Um, it's how I see it. At the football, it hasn't been entertaining. It hasn't. And and it wasn't, it has been at certain times, especially at the start of the season. But la- the last couple of months, teams have figured out a way to play against Albion. Albion have tried to get it down a bit more and open teams up and play a bit more on the deck. But ultimately, 
there's still there's not really a plan B. There's a plan A point one, A point two, or whatever. But it's not it's not it's not drastically drastically different. My my way of it is my point. The reason why I'm happy with it is for two reasons. One, and this is this is I don't, this has been a bit critical of the people above Ishmael, but in my opinion, we don't really know a lot about what's going on behind the scenes about. At Albion. Mm. We know that Gauchin Lai is an absent owner. We know that he shows very little interest in the club. That's that's a fact. We know that Ken, I from what I from speaking to people about Ken, we know he's a very, very intelligent man. But he's in his mid-30s and he is in the job because he is the son of Lai's mate. Yeah. That's a fact. So this I mean it. I'm not saying he isn't doing a good job. I'm not saying that for one for one minute. What I'm saying is Ken being in that job as CEO is no different to you winning the Euro Millions in 25 years' time, buying Albion and making my son CEO. It's just no different. That is, he might be doing a great job, but we don't know what we don't really know what what job he's doing. But that is the situation we find ourselves in. It is extraordinary that Ken is Albion's CEO. It mm. is extraordinary. He might be doing an absolutely amazing job, but it is extraordinary. Um, and on top of that, we don't know what's really going on behind the scenes in terms of recruitment. So Albion, for X amount of years, have operated with a sporting and technical director. They are no longer operating with a sporting and technical director. Mm. So I think there's serious questions to be raised about what's going on behind the scenes. And, and I'm not saying Albion are in, unstable off the pitch because they could be very, very stable on it, but no one's getting any answers. So for me, instability off the field leads to instability on the field. And I don't know if Albion is stable or unstable off the field, but what I do know is Ishmael is very, very stable. Yeah. He's very, very stable in terms of his philosophy. He's very, very stable in, term, in the way he wants to play. And even if... Even the, say, the biggest critic of his brand of football, no one could say we concede chances. I mean, defensively, Albion are ridiculous. Yeah. They really do keep a tight ship. They really, really do. I mean, look, Blues have one chance for me in that game um, from even Sanjit, where he obviously kicked the bar. He should have scored. I know people were talking about as a moment for Scott Hogan where a ball came into the box, but... It's a, it's a, for me, it's a hell of a finish to put the ball in the net from where he was at the speed he's running in, stretching like that. I just I just don't think... I think you have to be a top, 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 top striker yeah. to convert that chance. And I'm talking Harry Jamie Kane. Jamie Vardy. Yeah, Harry, I'm talking Harry Kane. Lerner, that, like, I think even then, there's no guarantees a world-class striker puts that ball in the back of the net. So for me, that's not a guilt-edged chance. Sunjit should score, no doubt about it. But with the exception of the Stoke game, Albion are so tight at the back. Mm. They are so tight at the back. And for that reason, they're going to be in every game this season. They're going to win the vast majority of games they lose. And there's, I've got, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind they're going to be in the race for automatic promotion. Are they going to finish first, second, third or fourth? Who knows? Like Who, who knows? Um, but they're definitely, definitely going to be up there. Um, as they should with with the players they've got and mm. the bounce they get from parachute payments and have, from having been in the Premier League last season and the COVID pandemic and what it's done to the Championship, blah, blah, blah. 
everyone knows sort of the situation they find themselves in. Um, but I think Ishmael is, is, a, is a real safe pair of hands. And I also think this group of players fell short in the Premier League last season. Um, and they're, they're going to need someone like Ishmael. They're going to need a clear identity, a clear way of playing, a clear style if they're going to get up and stay up. And I think potentially Ishmael could get this team up and give them a fighting chance of staying up. Yeah. Um, and therefore, it's a season of... How do I sum it up? The ends justify the means, maybe? Yeah. Um, I think that is how we've got to look at it. It's, it's not really where anyone wants to be in the Championship, but I think Albion have just got to get up. Yeah. I think, I think the key for fans who might not be happy with the style of play right now um, to think of is if Albion get up using this style of play which isn't going to be the prettiest I'll admit that it's not going to win an award for the most entertaining football but it might get you I mean he's got a, a fantastic chance of getting you promoted and if Ishmael can have Albion stay up then you've got an opportunity because we know what lies like in terms of the club and you know, it's it's I think we said before that the club is 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 up for sale at the right play at price. But for it to be at the right price it needs to be in the Premier League and to to remain in the Premier League, that's yeah. when you've got an opportunity of a new buyer coming in, spending some money, and then you can look forward to transfer windows where with no disrespect to this window because you know, the people who are recruiting are working with a budget which has been handed to them from from above them. You're not looking forward to free transfers left, right, and centre. You're looking you're looking forward then to, to to maybe a more exciting recruitment model, which is then would hopefully breed success on the pitch in, at Premier League level. That is and that is it. You're absolutely bang on there. Like that is the biggest the biggest point is that if Albion are going to be sold for anywhere near what Lai wants, who knows what is going to happen in the meantime? Like if we've lowered his valuation or whatever, great, but. The realistic, the most realistic chance of him selling is not going up. It's by going up and staying up. That is so true. It'll be in that season after survival when mm. it's the most realistic chance. Um, and I think Ishmael, as a manager, has got the potential to cause teams like a bloody nose in the Premier League. I think, I think the way he plays in the Premier League will lead to some spankings. They'll play a high line... They'll ask teams if they can pass through them. And there will just be teams in the Premier League who are just good enough to do it. They'll yeah. be pacey and quick enough just to do it. As simple as that. Teams like Arsenal. I know like Arsenal obviously beat Thumped Albion this season, but it was Albion's sort of second string. But even though Arsenal aren't amazing in the Premier League, they'll, they'll, they could, they've got the potential to give Albion a, like, a spanking. But I think against other teams, Albion's high press, high intensity, because they will be able to go back to that proper plan A. Yeah, it'll be like it'll almost be like Leeds in the first season of the Premier League. It will uh, there will be teams who just can't cope with them, and I think it will lead to results. Um, but obviously, we're a long way from that point. We're only twelve games into this season, mm. um, and they've got to go on and do it. And there's absolutely no guarantees because Bournemouth look really, really strong, um, and Fulham they've lost three games. Fulham, um, but they're only two points behind. Mm. 
And that would be the worry for me at this moment in time with Albion. And when it comes to Albion, if, if the top three are going to be Fulham, Bournemouth and Albion, which they probably should be really, Sheffield United should be giving themselves a bit to do, but they should be up there as well. My worry would be, will Fulham win more games than mm-hmm. Albion? They'll lose more. Fulham will definitely lose more. But the concern will be that Albion draw and Fulham win more. I think if it was two points for a win and one point for a draw like it was in the olden days, Albion would comfortably finish above Fulham. Yeah. But three points for a win. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a real... It'll be an interesting battle between those. If if Bournemouth carry on, which is obviously, of course, there's no guarantees they will. They're, they're gonna they're gonna wobble at some point. Mm. That's it. It's gonna be um, a long old time yet before we talk even talking about Premier League properly. Um, second, oh, well, third talking point. Sorry, it's good to see Connor Townsend back at wing back, isn't it? Fantastic performance. Yeah, and and that take, that's, that's taking nothing away from Adam Reach. He was really really good um, in the games that um, he played. Just Townsend is just a very, very good player. Mm. Um, and he's just so gifted with his left foot. Um, yeah, I, thought, I mean, he was man the match for me. Um, I thought he was the best player on the park against Blues. Uh, and and I do, I also, the flip side to that is, this might be one of your other points, but Matt Clark is, gives us a lot. Yeah. Um, he really does give us a lot. So Townsend... Overall, did did very well at centre-back. There were some wobbly moments, um, but understandable when you're considering that he's basically playing in a brand-new position. Um, but to have Townsend back on the left, and that obviously allows Matt Clark to come into the back three, that is a big plus, I think. Um, and then Adam Reach is a, is a superb understudy, he really is. Mm, yeah. Um, point four. Does Alex Mowat need a rest? We saw... Um, him come off against Stoke of course and we were all very worried um, it, it had all the kind of trademarks of a, of a classic metatarsal injury didn't it um, the way he kind of uh, trudged off and the the talk around the club uh, then all of a sudden we saw a picture of him back in training then we saw him in a starting lineup against Blues uh, but then he took a knock on exactly the same foot and uh, straight away he was he was signalling away does he does he need a rest, Joe? Because it's not great when you've got a player who is essentially managing himself through games. Yeah, I'm not sure if rest is the word because I don't. I mean, he is immensely fit, and he can, in terms of the physical demands of this league, he is. I mean, he knows it like the back of his hand, doesn't he? He's, he's mm. very, very experienced at this level. But it's his foot is obviously an issue. We, I mean, we. I think we might have said before, we might have said last week that obviously once it wasn't broken. I think we said on the video actually. But once the foot wasn't broken, then he was always likely to, to play. In terms of, we don't know if Alex Mowat has had a painkiller injection on his foot. We just don't know that. But mm. it's the type of thing that footballers do have on an injury like that. Um, if it's not broken, you can sort of get around it, really. Um, but it was for him to come off again with it. Obviously, shows there is quite a lot of discomfort there. Um, said it a million times I think Alex Moa is probably Albion's most important player um, although I think Carlin Grant is starting to give him a run for his money mm. um, but Jason Malumbi was so good off the bench um, 
It was a real, it, and I said, I think we said it in the video, it was, a, it, was a, it was really a reassuring performance from Malumbi. We'd seen them for like 13 minutes, I think, prior to that. Between a couple of substitute appearances over 13 minutes combined. You can't judge a player when he's getting two minutes here and four minutes there and five minutes. It's just not fair. No, there's um, no way he can get to the rhythm of a game at all. So you're looking at Livermore and Moa, and obviously we know they are very good championship central midfielders. In a 3-4-3, I mean, your central midfielders have so much to do, so much ground to cover. They've got to be very good players. Um, and I think everyone's been sort of looking at those two and thinking, oh, what's going to happen when they pick up a yellow, when they get suspended for five yellows, or what's going to happen if one of them gets injured? And Malumbi came on and he was absolutely outstanding. Mm. Um he was absolutely outstanding. So I think potentially, I think what we now know is before that game, you just think, oh, Alex Murray has to play. If 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 possible, play him. Um, but now, I'd give Malumbi, I probably would give him a rest, actually. Um, I probably would give him a rest and let Malumbi go at Swansea. Mm. Um, just, just for midweek? Uh, well, yes, it depends on his foot, but it's a week. I mean, there was a long... You have to remember that Moat hurt his foot before the international break. So he, had, he basically had two weeks. Um, and so it's a quick turnaround now for him. Um, it's hard to know about knowing the extent of the injury, but... Look, you want Alex Moat in your team, for me. Mm. Um, but I think if we just take things one game at a time, I think potentially you start Malumbia. At Swansea. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, and the last talking point, uh, Joe, which we, we maybe kind of touched on, but a lot of the fans said this after full-time against Blues. They said it's a sign of a good team when you're not playing well and you still grind out results. And I know it's a cliche, but is that the case with Albion? Because when you look back, the last time we really saw them playing really, really well was was probably... What Cardiff? Yeah, I mean it is a sign. It, on what, it is a sign of a good team. Uh, but but I think I but I think I do think that I think well when you said oh where would they be without Grant Styles no. I think that's a valid question and also Ishmael's the first manager I've ever known to talk about XG in a press conference. Um, well, their, their XG has dropped quite significantly. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I think that's a concern in terms of not a concern. The, Albion are going to want to get back to where they were a couple of weeks ago. When you, when you even, I think, I think there'll be people listening to this who didn't think the, the Millwall game was a thriller or the Preston game was a thriller or whatever. That run of game, Derby game. But what you would say in those games, Albion created more chances. Mm. Certainly against Blues. Um, their XG has always sort of been over the two goal mark. Um, whereas it has dipped below that in the last couple of weeks. So I think I think it's great they've got through. this. It's great they won the Blues game. It's great they sort of hauled themselves over the line. Um, but I think Ishmael will feel that performances, the performance wasn't good enough really. I think in terms of... a Defensively, obviously it was, but mm. in terms of an attacking threat, I don't think he'll feel it was good enough, and I think he'll be expecting them to create better chances going forward. Um, the Swansea game 
is almost irrelevant because of the way Russell Martin plays and the way Albion play. In terms of the data, it's going to be irrelevant because it is going to be a real one-off game, but we'll get onto that later on. But yeah, against Bristol, Bristol City will probably do what everyone else has done at the Hawthorns, which is sit back and try and frustrate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in that game, Ishmael would expect a more a stronger attacking threat a better XG at the end of it than what we saw against Blues yeah um, you'd hope that's the case anyway thinking of adoption we have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart your regional adoption agency for the Black Country Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for the City of Wolverhampton Council Walsall Council Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sandwell's Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support and are looking for re- to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit www.adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place or call 01902 Uh Right, let's go on to questions, Joe. Let's go on to questions, shall we? Um, first one comes from a friend of the podcast, Andy Turton. Which of the new signings has had the most positive impact on the squad? I think it's, it's got to be Moe, hands down, surely. It is, it is Moet hands down, but then I think we do just have to just throw in Matt Clark as well. Yeah. Because um, I do think he's been that good. But you have to say, and this is one really interesting thing about the Ishmael philosophy and the Ishmael way, and what another, another thing we really do have to remember is, I think all the signs have been good. Um, we're probably a bit harsh, but probably with the exception of Jordan Hugel, he's had his moments, but we're, we're, wait, we're wanting more from him, aren't we? Yeah. Um, Malumbi just simply hasn't had the minutes to really judge him until the Blues game, but but he looks a player for me. Um, who else came in? Adam Reach. I mean, I don't think we could ask for a better understudy at left wing back, and Matt Clark's been absolutely brilliant. So I think... While we're big fans of a lot of Albion's players, there will be a few of them who aren't really Ishmael players. Mm. Um, And he has sort of hinted at that in press conferences. He has said that not everyone hits the numbers he wants in certain positions. Um, So you've got... There is an important point now that he has had one window... Um, it's not. It's really not very many. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see whatever division they're in, how many players he's signed, make the starting eleven on the first day of next next season, or when the transfer window closes. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, Baggies, Tom. Realistically, do you see any academy players getting into the first team, or will other clubs have them as usual? Um. Hard to bed in youngsters, I think, when you're challenging for promotion. But that's my personal thought. Yeah, but we've said that if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Ishmael. Um, mm. Because he's he's always put a massive emphasis on youth. If you can press, 
youth is obviously an advantage. It's not it's not the be all and end all. Um, but it does you do have more energy when you're younger. It's just a simple it's just a fact of life. So um he really has brought players through everywhere he's been. Um it's just where who I mean who who are you calling for is 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 my thing. Like I think if Darnell Furlong got injured, then I think Taylor Gardner Hickman or Ethan Ingram would probably get a go at right wing back. Mm. Um if there was an injury crisis at centre back, Caleb Taylor would get a go, but Albion are well stopped there. Um, who was the one player that we're calling for? I don't know who who stands out really. Mm. Um, so, the, in terms of the comment about all oh, other teams going to get them, the big one obviously is Villa taking a bunch of Albion's kids, and the one that does stand out is Tim Robinson. Um, who, by all accounts, is smashing it at Villa, and from what I was told, had a real chance of being involved in Albion's first team this season. Mm. He's the one that, well, a that this really disappointed left, and b that I really think could have been pushing, um, for a first team spot this season. I said, I said on the podcast last week, don't get bogged down in the under twenty threes and the under eighteens because the level's so. So it's such a drop. Um, for me, you want to be looking at the player. For, for long-term academy prospects, being in the first team, you want to look at the players that are out on loan. Yeah. So Josh Griffiths and Callum Morton are the ones for me who have got the best chance um, of becoming long-term Albion players. Um, but I don't... I don't. But players like Jovan Malcolm, I mean, he's, he's gone to... Um, You're a popular guy today, you I are. Know, I know. Um, Hang on. Sorry. Uh, it won't stop ringing, will it? Yeah, hang on. You're going to have to edit, you're going to have to edit this or not? No, no, no. We'll leave it in, mate. I, just I, want, I want the listeners just to know how popular you are. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. I, I can't... I don't see where you really want the team improving with a kid at the minute. I don't see where who, who you're calling for, mm. um, to be honest. Uh, but if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Ishmael. Taylor Gardner-Hickman, probably the best chance, I'd say, and Ethan Ingram this season, if you're looking for someone to break in this season. Yeah. Long term, Josh Griffiths and Cullen Morton. Mm. Uh, Luke Fletcher, what's the deal with Kenneth Zahor right now? Is he anywhere near making his way back into the first team? Although his last outing at Luton was damaging, it still feels as if Albion are crying out for someone in his mould. Um I tweeted this much, um, not not the Zahor stuff, but they're screaming for a number nine who knows where the back of the net is and is physically imposing. Unfortunately, I don't think that man's Kenneth Zahor, judging by... I mean, you can't judge off one performance, but that Luton one was pretty damning. And I think it's fairly obvious that Ishmael just does not... He's not having him. So this is another thing, again, like... When you talk about the Ishmael... There's no in terms of look, the football's not been like not that been that entertaining. There's no doubt about it. It hasn't been. But when you talk about the, the hand Ishmael's been dealt, if you like, I mean he's been dealt a great hand. The championship is so poor this season. It's untrue. And Albion have got an awful lot of good players. They should be very much. I mean, a, a disastrous season is finishing fifth, and that would be a disaster. They, they, there's mm. no excuse not to finish top four. There really isn't. Um, but he hasn't got that. That number nine, I see. 
No. If truth be told, he hasn't. He hasn't got his Daryl DK. He hasn't got him. Um. So, what difference would that player make? I mean, you'd imagine it would make quite a substantial one. Um. Well, there was a couple of times Townsend whipped a ball in, and there's just no one there, and I know he's got to get his head up, but. You'd think an instinctive striker would would be in that position. Yeah, I, especially yeah. I mean, yeah, you you would you would you can't. This is the thing. Imagine what yeah. I mean, Abin would look a different team with with Daryl DK in it, wouldn't they? Mm. Um, or some obviously not not saying just him, but someone like him. Just they really would, and that's up to Albion's recruitment team to find someone like that. And it's interesting because they, they just. Jordan Hugel has obviously got a lot of the tools, but we have, he hasn't he hasn't set the world on fire. I mean, you can't say otherwise. He he just hasn't. Um, Callum Robinson, Carlin Grant, both sort of signed with an eye on the number nine role. They're just not really number nines. Mm. They can do a job there, of course they can, because they're both good players. But we all know Carlin Grant's lethal from that left hand side. We're seeing that week in week out now. Callum is. Just a technically great footballer, but look, all his goals for North for the Republic of Ireland on international duty came with him playing in the number ten role. Mm. He's just he's just better withdrawn, isn't he? He's just slightly withdrawn. He's just yeah. He's 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 technically a very good player who's suited to that area. Zahor, I mean, it's damning, really. Let's be honest, like it's damning that he's not even on the bench. I mean. When I've been a cry, I mean, he is literally on paper what they need. I mean, you looked at their bench the other day, Albion, and they didn't have too many attacking options. I'll be honest with Dean Garner. Uh, I mean, Ishmael has been asked about Zahor a couple of times in recent weeks, sort of a couple of weeks ago, and he said he had a little injury in training, and um, he had to um, that put him back a few weeks. But he, he is fit now. There's no doubt about it. He is fit and, and available. So. Yeah, I mean, look, he's so out of favour. Um, I, I just don't, I just don't see a way back for him, if I'm honest. I'd be tempted to agree. Um, Theo, do you think we'll actually be able to go in for DK in January, or is he an unrealistic target now, especially due to his form in the MLS? Um, Thirteen games played, six goals scored, one assist. Um, mm. Good for a goal. I mean, every hundred and fifty minutes or so. Uh, I mean, he'd be a fantastic signing, but the money that you'd think that I think it's Orlando his club would want, um, it's going to be hard for Albion to do that. I mean, I've said before, I've got no doubt he's the, he's like literally the the player that's top of Ishmael's shortlist. I've got no doubt he wants to bring him to Albion. Um, he's literally tailor made for his system, and obviously smashed it at Barnsley last season. But he's smashing it in the MLS. Um, there's no doubt about it. He is, he is absolutely smashing it. Um, Guess to a point where you think would a, would a side in the Premier League be interested in him? Well, he's been linked, hasn't he? He's been linked with a move to Palace. Um, I'd be surprised what, if that happens after them signing Edouard, But What we know about DK is that he wants to play in England. He wants to play in the Premier League. Mm. Um, with the greatest respect to the MLS. And it's a league that's... It's, now it's a league that's either a platform for a player like Almiron at Newcastle who used it to get his move to the Premier League or it's where players like Kieran Gibbs go 
bit when, of a retirement home. Bit of a bit of a retirement home. So it's, it's it's that sort of league. It's not where it's no no one no one's really grown up dreaming of playing in the MLS. Um, England, Italy, Spain, wherever, Germany. They are they are the four big leagues. I think DK is probably suited to English football very very well. He wants to be. He's he's on record as saying he wants to be in the Premier League. The question is, can Albion afford him? And I don't I don't know the answer to that. I mean, it it looks like he is, his value is getting. You start it's starting to feel like it's becoming out their reach. Yeah. Um, it has to be said, um, but. Yeah, it's, if Albion were to get DK in January, it'd be a massive statement of intent. And it it really, really, really could make the difference to them going up automatically or not. Loan with an obligation if you go up. Yeah, well, that's what it would be. That is absolutely what it would be. Um. It'd be quite a hefty loan fee, but so, but in, sometimes in life you've got to roll the dice. And I think if you were paying two and a half million pounds, say, to bring him in on loan, obviously it's a lot of money for a loan player. A lot of money. You're basically gambling that two and a half million will turn you into 90, aren't you? Yeah, but if he scores you 14, 15 goals in the second half of the season. Well, if you've got you 12, to be honest, like 10 or 12 it would be in the second half of the season. And he's exactly what they're, they're just dying for. He's exactly the type of player they need. Yeah. It seems like a match made in heaven, but it really does. You've got to hit all the prerequisites money-wise for it to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's I, literally like it's literally like, like if you had a, it sounds stupid, but if you had a magic wand and you could wish for one player, you'd wish for him. Like you obviously you get Ronaldo or Messi, but re- realistically, and it and it shouldn't you're not you're not asking for the earth. By asking for Daryl DK, mm. that's not the Earth, like, but obviously it is. A, it would be a huge financial commitment. When does the MLS season end? I don't know actually. That's a good point. Uh, actually, apparently, uh, this is a very, very quick Google. Major League Soccer's regular season runs from late February or early March to October. Does it? Yeah. Is that just the the initial league, though? I think so. I think so. Well, I'm on Soccer Base, and they, the last game according to Soccer Base is November the 7th. Mm. That um, makes you think that it could be doable, but if it starts in February or March, then you're asking Orlando to essentially start a season without a striker who is in bloody good form. Which is what seems in the MLS have done before. Um, a, la, a la, was it Robbie Keane at Villa? Yeah, that's, yeah, I think Robbie Keane did it. He played he? like four games. Beckham did it, didn't he? Like Beckham. Yeah. Um. I mean, I mean, the money talks at the end of the day, and it will be. The interesting thing with DK is, like you said, is 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 a Premier League club actually going to buy him? So. Uh, Orlando City are going to be a selling club. I mean, every club in this country is a selling club with the exception of Man City and Liverpool and Man United, whatever, aren't they? Everyone outside the top six is a selling club. Mm. 
So Orlando City are a selling club. They're going to have to... The question that they will... And they'll obviously know the answer because they'll be getting the phone calls. But is a team in the Premier League actually going to come in for him? Like, is or Palace going to go in for him? Like you said, they've got Eduard. Is anyone actually going to step forward? It's like, it's like the Sam Johnson situation again. Like, mm. everyone, everyone knows he's brilliant. But at the end of the day, it was only West Ham who came in for him last summer. Is someone actually going to... It feels like a bit of a, like, gamble to for a Premier League club to take a chance on an MLS striker. Yeah. Um, whereas Albion obviously would love him and Ishmael's got that relationship with him already. Do you think that would be a selling point for the player? I've got no doubt DK would love to join Albion. He'd absolutely love it. Ideally in the Premier League, but I'm sure if you said to him, fire us to the Premier League, he'd be well up for that challenge. Um... But it's going to be money, isn't it? Mm, that's a big deal. Um, right, uh, Paddy, WBA. Before the game against Bournemouth, Joe said the Albion of 10 games into the season would easily beat the Albion of the first game. Now that we've reached that landmark, do you think this side is better than the one that played Luton and Sheffield United? Ah, oh, that's a great question. It's fantastic, isn't it? First question, oh, would, would Albion question, now guys. beat Albion against Bournemouth? I don't think that, I don't think it's cut and dry. No, I don't think it's cut and dry either. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. He's right. I did say that, and I'm not sure. I was saying that based on. I don't want this podcast to go on for absolutely ever, but I can't stop talking. So <laughs> I was saying that based on the fact that. Slavin Bilic's team after 10 games would definitely have been Slavin Bilic's team after one game. That they, they made significant improvements. Mm. Um, and I've got to say, I do think... Because I naturally compare this team to that team simply because it was so recent that that promotion-winning season happened. Like I, I said before, like it's almost like last season never happened because... It was just rubbish. Like, A, Albion got beat every week, and B, there was no fans there. So, I mean, I said it to Jake Livermore once. So in a way, it does feel like last season didn't happen. And then he was like, yeah. Like, yeah. it was a non- non-event is the best way of putting it. It wasn't It was a non-event. Albion didn't really have much of a chance on the field. And with no fans in the ground, it wasn't real football. It was just, we just sort of went through the motions every week, didn't we? Yeah. So... It's very easy to compare those teams. It's very easy to look back on that time. And what I think about that team now is it was a lot more exciting in terms... And I'm not talking about on the field. I'm talking almost like off it in a way. Like, But like in the terms of like... Billich came in and he was immensely charismatic. Yeah. Like he, he was... His personality sort of seeped through straight away. And I think Albion fans immediately warmed to him and got behind him and loved his charm and loved the way he wanted to play. So there was sort of a, there was a story with the manager and there was a, there was more of a story with the players. So like Shami Ajay was a new sign in and he, and, and it was, we were all sort of intrigued by him and his pace and uh, 
what what a snip he looked really like coming mm. in from Rotherham for like 1.5 million or whatever and then yeah you had the whole like Nathan Ferguson thing where literally plucked by Billich from obscurity to becoming one of the best fullbacks in the division and then you had Darnell Furlong was a new sign and he was obviously galloping up and down and doing really well and Romain Soyuz was a boyard Albion fan and come back, returned to the club, and it was an interesting story. And then and mm. then on top of that, you had Pereira and Dean Garner. And it was only now, at this stage of the season, that we really started to see Pereira and how good he was. Like he, he, he was okay in the first ten games, but it was it was at this point in the season where we really kicked on to arguably become the best player in the division. I mean, in hindsight, Calvin Phillips was probably the best player in the division, but he was obviously right up there. Yeah. And obviously Grady's got so much spark. Um, and even like Charlie Austin, he, he wasn't doing much, but there was this, everyone was sort of waiting for Austin to burst into life. And he brings a bit of like star quality, doesn't he, Austin? Like he's yeah. he's got the X factor, whatever that is. Like he... The, and then Filip Kravinovic, obviously he wasn't setting the world like on the pitch, but he was Croatian and that brought a bit of like intrigue as well. And the team was just genuinely a bit more interesting. Whereas like now, we we kind of know all the players, don't we? Everyone's we, a known quantity. Ev- everyone's a known quantity. Um, and we haven't really got the stories like the Nathan... I think Dar Roche would have been a big story this season if he hadn't got injured. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we haven't got Sawyer's in the middle of the park like the boyhood Albion fan we haven't got Pereira being unbelievable and it's all yeah it's just not as um, the team the team's now is really really functional whereas it is just I think it has lacked a bit it's lacking a bit of X Factor and I don't think that really that helps with the, with, in terms of like people saying like the performances aren't there. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was the question again? I don't even know why I've said that. Uh, you said before the game against Bournemouth, the Albion oh, yeah, yeah. games. That was a roundabout way to answer that question, wasn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's on his hands. I'm not sure. I'm not sure anymore. I feel like we've not... I don't feel like Albion have kicked on, really. Yeah. I think we're... If I'm honest, I don't feel like we've kicked on. As Fair. much as we should, as much I don't feel like we've kicked on as much as that Billich team did, mm. but then we have shown moments like at Cardiff, like against QPR, where they have passed the ball better and they have when when they clearly have improved. So they are improving. They probably would beat them. Yeah. Either way, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Good question, though. Good great question. question. Great question. Um, Okay, a couple more. Got to answer them quickly, though. Yeah, We're... sorry, I'm going on and on and on. It's all right, mate. Don't worry, don't worry. I think people love your long answers, but some of I'm gonna I'm gonna pick questions which can be answered quickly. Okay, good. Uh, good first one comes from Craig Russell. Any news on the Nathan Ferguson money or date for a tribunal? No. So I told you that last a couple of weeks ago. I literally asked a question to the EFL. They confirmed to me that no date has been set for the Nathan Ferguson tribunal. If that has changed in the last two weeks or so, it is possible. Um, because I haven't asked the question since. Um, but as far as, as of two and a half weeks ago, whenever it was I asked the question, no date for that tribunal had been set. Get it done by January, could afford DK, who knows? Wow, um, that's a good point, mate. 
Luke Stanley, Reyes Cleary sounding like a, re- a real prospect. Uh, we've seen the links with Dortmund, Chelsea, etc. Any thoughts on what the plans are with him? Uh, yes, I've got a lot of thoughts on this, actually. Because I don't think anyone has really watched him play that very much. I think but... it's, it screams of a player who's been linked with a big club and everyone's like, oh, he's the next big thing. Well, I agree. And what I will say is that on Cleary... Um, that absolutely no journalist in this country has got amazing contacts at Borussia Dortmund, Bayern Munich, Chelsea and ex, next ex-club that he's been linked to. Um, it just doesn't happen like that. The, 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 don't get me wrong, there's some journalists in this country that are absolutely brilliant. John Percy, for example, who has got fantastic contacts at multiple clubs. Um, but th- this hasn't come from anywhere like John Percy or... Who else is... I can't think of... But someone who's just as good as John Percy is not... Ornstein. Ornstein. Someone like that. There's not many of those. There's literally like four or five journalists at Percy's level in this country. Um, This has come from websites that, to be honest, I think it's agent-driven. Because Mm. I cannot see anyone working for where this... Where this story has come from, well, one was on the Daily Mail, but even so, there's absolutely no one at the Daily Mail that's got those contacts. I'm, I'm like, if it, if if whoever wrote the story wants to ring me and say otherwise, I'll do a big apology at the start of the next Baggies broadcast. But this is agent driven, without a shadow of a doubt, um, and I would say that this is probably the player's agent trying to get his player the best deal he can, whether that be at Albion or anywhere else, but. I wouldn't be. As far as I'm concerned, he hasn't done he hasn't done enough to be linked with these clubs yet. He really hasn't. So mm. I think I personally think I mean what I say here won't calm things down, but um I'm not getting carried away by him. Yeah. Um next one, Clint McCormick, Bristol City, three PM kickoff. My question is what is this sorcery? Don't see them very often at the moment, do we? It's, three o'clock kickoffs. It's crazy. It's crazy. So you almost forget and I I've I'll start putting the story out tomorrow and it's actually Ishmael saying basically thank you to Albion's fans for the support they've given his team this season and how had a long trip to Swansea. It's another long, absolute track. It's another night game. Albion have played. This is remarkable. Tomorrow's going to be their 13th league game. Ten of them have been in the evening. Mm. So nine. Nine of them haven't been on a Saturday. Peterborough was on a Saturday in the end, after it was moved to a Friday, then back to a Saturday. But it was still 7.45 kickoff or whatever it was in Peterborough. Tomorrow will be the 10th of 13 league games that's been played in the evening. Mm. Four on a Friday night, X amount on Tuesday or Wednesday. It's not right. Like, it's not right. There's people, you buy, you buy your season ticket, especially in the championship, and you expect to get your vast majority of games at three o'clock on a Saturday. Well, it just isn't happening um, for Albion. It just, and, and I think... Somewhere down the line, Sky have got to give us a break um, and say, people have paid a lot of money for their season tickets. There's people who cannot come to the games on a Friday night. Um, Like, God, they deserve to come on a Saturday afternoon. They really do. So, I mean, Forest this month is going to be on a Friday night again. Mm. 
It's not. It's, in my opinion, it's not fair. Yeah. Um, I suppose the only argument that you can say against it is that Sky, the people paying the money for TV rights, admittedly nowhere near as much as they do for the Premier League, uh, and that money does go to the clubs. Uh, but it is the fans getting the short end of the stick, isn't it? So is what it is with that. Um, one or maybe two more. Um, Thursday Frostle ran this poll yesterday after some discussion on WBA hashtag after the weekend's eventful game between our two rivals. Thanks for bringing that one up. I am not over it yet. Um, who do you think is Albion's main rival? Villa or Wolves? And he did a poll, or they did a poll, sorry. He or she did a poll. 303 votes, 50-50. Don't know how you got exactly 50-50, by the way. Um, who is Albion's biggest rival, Wolves or Villa? For me, it's always been Wolves. Wolves has been the big derby. But I'm of a, a generation where Villa wasn't seen as the typical derby for Albion because Villa's has always been Blues, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's, it's very much a generational thing, isn't it, from what I gather from speaking to people. if you're, I would say it's Wolves like you, but people... That, and maybe over sort of 45. Um, yeah, prob- that's probably the line. Tend to say Villa. Um, I don't like Dingles. For me, it'll always be Wolves. Yeah. And let's move on. Um, and last one, last one, last one. All Albion fans ask, where do you both stand on Welsh teams being in the league? Uh, it's always seemed a bit strange but hasn't really affected fans until this week there will be less Albion fans there on Wednesday than there would have been I personally don't have an issue with it um, likewise I'd, I'd, I think it would be incredibly interesting to see how the teams north of the border would do in, in a league which is basically just based around the whole of the, uh, the UK in general Um because I don't think Celtic and Rangers would actually do that well. I don't think either of them would be Premier League teams at the moment. Um, but you don't want to have an adverse effect on the leagues that they're already in. Um, but yeah, what do you make of it? It's a good question. It's a weird one because it's, it's what you it's what you're used to, isn't it? So like, I don't even think about it having Cardiff and Swansea in the league. Mm. Um, to me, they've always been there. They belong there. But uh, but but there is a part of me that doesn't want Celtic or Rangers. Um, Partly because, like you said, I don't think they're very good anymore. I mean, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Henrik well, Larsson, Celtic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, those teams would have, without doubt, competed in the Premier League. I mean, I'm not saying they would be top six or anything, but you wouldn't, you'd you back them to stay up, I think. Um, yeah. Like Walter Smith's Rangers were brilliant. Martin O'Neill's Celtic were brilliant. Um. But now I think the standard of the league has fallen quite considerably. Um, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird because like the next biggest team in Wales is TNS. Yeah. Who are based on the Shropshire border. Um, obviously Cardiff and Swansea dominate Wales, don't they, as a country really in terms of the cities, in it? Yeah. Whereas in Scotland, obviously, Edinburgh's the capital, but Rangers and Southwark are both in Glasgow. So, yeah, I've, I don't know. It's weird. It's a bit... I, part of me feels like if I'm happy to have Swansea and Cardiff, I should be happy to have both Rangers and Southwark. But then you'd have to... Why wouldn't you have Hearts? 
Yeah. Where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? And it's not fair on those other teams in that Scottish Premier League because, let's be honest, you pull Rangers and Celtic out of it, the TV money that they're getting, which will be absolute pennies in comparison to Premier League and Championship even, will be decimated further because who's going to watch Scottish Premier League football then? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't watch it at all now. I, I used to watch it back in the day. I don't mind the dark, the, the old firm. Uh, I used to, yeah, but now I just I can't even be bothered with that, to be honest. Is your car being nicked? <laughs> no, but someone's is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. Um, let's go on to preview for Swansea. Uh, Swansea sitting away. Um, second place, 17th, Joe. A real clash of footballing philosophy. Um, it really is, um, and it's exciting, if I'm honest. Um, maybe not to everyone, but to sad people like me who absolutely love tactics, love styles, love philosophies, love substitutions, love formations. They're all the things that get me going, if I'm honest. Um, I love it all. I love that side of the game. And this is going to be fascinating because it is literally two managers who couldn't be more different. Um, and in a way, the perfect game for Albion because Russell Martin is, for if we just have to say it, he's a ticker-tacker manager. And I don't use that term lightly because it basically it is goes synonymous with Pep Guardiola, doesn't it, and Barcelona. Mm. Um, but believe me, he passes the ball like you would not be, like. It's crazy. It's crazy how he passes the ball. I mean, he literally passes it for passing sake. Um, so, and he will not change the way he's going to play. He will not change it. I watched Russell Martin's MK Dons at Shrewsbury last season. Shrewsbury pressed them off the park and battered them. It was embarrassing. Mm. And he didn't really have the players to do it at MK Dons. And you were just saying to them, just... Get rid of it. It was keeper to centre-back, all the way moving it around, playing out everywhere. And Shrewsbury pressed the life out of them. They won the game so comfortably. And you could see it from minute one to minute 90. And it didn't matter that through the whole 90 minutes, Shrewsbury pressed the life out of them. MK Donalds just kept trying it. They just kept trying it. And they got, and in the end, they got battered, deservedly so. Mm. Um so he will not change. Now, this is what Ishmael's side are made for. This is this will be back to Alpine of the first four or five games. High intensity, high aggression, press, win the ball high up the pitch. Everyone has changed to face Albion since, like, since those first five games. Swansea aren't changing. They are going to try and play through them. Um, it's going to be really, really interesting. We were talking about pass sequences earlier. 10-plus pass sequences. Swansea, miles clear of everyone else, 179. Even way clear of Fulham, right? Yeah. They, they are passing the ball more than anyone else. Average passes per sequence, 4.35. Next is Fulham, 3.75. They always pass. They pass, pass, pass. Average sequence time, this is 11, 12 seconds. I mean, they literally, they they just want the ball all the time. Mm. Um Obviously, Albion are all about that energy. They're all about that pressing. The question is, what will come out on top? Will Albion press the life out of them or will Swansea play through them? I think Albion will press the life out of them. And I think they'll win the game pretty comfortably. Mm. 
Um, but it could. But obviously, it's famous last words. And if Swansea do play, if everything clicks for them on the night, and they do find their their touch and everything, then they could they could cut Albion open. Um, so, but yeah, it's going to be fascinating. It's I, I think it's going to be fascinating. Um, it's a really really intriguing game. It is intriguing. Um, question marks over a couple of players: Moet, Dean Garner. Do you reckon we'll see either of them? Well, I mean, Ishmael was asked after the, after the Blues game and he said that obviously Dean Garner hamstring, um, um, obviously the foot injury we've spoken about. He thinks that they'll both be available. Personally, I think it's time for Malumbi just to give Moet's foot a break. But we'll see, we'll see. I, I didn't really click going forward. The other night, so I think if Dean, but I don't know. The issue with Dean Garner is where do you play him? Mm. Um, because Carlin Grant has got the left hand side nailed down, hasn't he? Yeah, he can't drop Carlin Grant. Um, so it's do you play Grady on the right? Potentially, but we've we all probably think he's at his best on the left. Callum had a really good game um, at Cardiff on the right. Um, so we'll see, we'll see, but. Good game, this one. Good game. Genuinely excited. It is. Uh, and very briefly touching on Bristol City. I know we're way away from it, but we won't do a podcast before it. Oh, Proper right. mid-table opponent. That one's going to be, I think, very different to the Swansea game. Yeah, completely different. Completely. The Swansea really are a unique case. Um, especially when you can... What, what makes them more unique is they're not Fulham. Like, they haven't got Fulham's players. Like Fulham have got a lot of top top players really for this mm. level, um, whereas Swansea they've struggled, uh, not struggled but they're in the, they're in the bottom half and they're sort of expected to finish around that area despite obviously getting to the playoffs last season. But yeah, Swansea is a is a one off game really. It really is. Bristol City you'd imagine will follow the pattern of Blues, Millwall, Derby, Preston. They're going to come to the Hawthorns and they're going to try and frustrate. I can't I can't see it any other way personally. Mm. Um, and then it'll be a case of Albion improving on what they did against Blues for me um, that'd be that'd be sort of a, that'd, be, that'd be like a, a nut that has to be cracked yeah um, but Swansea that's the that's the real intriguing one Swansea will be some pre-peeled pistachios just there for the taking wow <laughs> nice nice I didn't know what I did. Something just clocked what you did there. I like it. I like it. I see, mate. I, I do try. Um, six do. points for you? Uh, yeah, six points, yeah. Six points. You sounded surprised. Um, right, that's just about... about it. Bristol City worries me more than Swansea. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of, if it, is it going to be six points or four? Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm expecting Albion to win. I think Albion should win both games. Yeah. All right, we'll see. Joe, anything else to add to this episode? No, all good, mate. Thank you very much. I'll let you get on. I've talked too much. Don't don't worry about me, mate. Don't worry about me. There you go. One hour, ten minutes or so of Albion chit-chat, as always. If you could give us a nice rating or review on your preferred podcast provider, that'd be brilliant. Uh, and pass it on to someone who might not listen because they may enjoy it too. But from me and from Joe, a fond farewell for now. Goodbye.